Welcome back to the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast presented by TaxLoop. TaxLoop is the first apprenticeship program for careers in tax law and consulting. So for those who thought the CPA was the only way to a prestigious tax career, let TaxLoop show you the importance of becoming an enrolled agent. Visit TaxLoop.com to learn more. I'm your host, Alex Meacham, former Bearcat basketball player from 1997 to 1999 under the Hall of Fame coach, Bob Huggins. And I'm Neil Meyer with the Front Office News. I'm J.T. Smith, Editor-in-Chief of the Front Office News. All right, fellas, let's jump right into it and recap the UCF game. The Bearcats take down UCF 73-64 to at Fifth Third Arena. J.T., thoughts on the Bearcats' performance? Thought it was solid, man. Overall, I think they played like a great 35 minutes. And then they had like a little lull where they kind of messed up when they got up 15. And they let them back in the game. But overall, I thought, um, you know, when the game got tight, you know, David DeJulius and Victor Lockett made some huge, huge plays to get the Bearcats a huge win that they needed to have any hopes of playing postseason ball alive. So, um you got your senior and you got the young freshman, not freshman, but the sophomore, redshirt, fresh sophomore coming through like that. It, it's huge for the program, huge for the team. But they finally just finally won those games that they needed to win and they won. So that was one of those things that you can build from. You know, um, and I agree with you. Didn't you say something uh, similar in terms of, you know, putting together a full game? Um, what was it? The. Uh, I think it was the last game, Tulsa. Tulsa, yeah, yep. Did the same thing, but I think in reverse, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they started off like, because they started off legit against um, UCF for sure. They, I mean, honestly, until about like the 10, 10 minute mark, they were cruising. Like they were playing great, gritty. I mean, they had a million turnovers. I mean, they had 16 steals, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't happen a lot in college basketball. Not in high D level, D one level basketball. So they were playing great, and they just had like a lull where they had a couple, couple misses, couple play that they were just, you know, after they made it three, they kind of went to sleep for a little bit, and UCF didn't didn't back down. And uh, I think, I mean, like to get into the old games, I feel like they're starting to play more complete basketball. It's just this game it almost bit them in the backside when they had their lull, but. When you got guys making big plays, I mean, I think they're they're trending in the right direction too. I know I'm getting uh, scatterbrained on that, but uh, they're trending in the right direction. And that's what you like to see at the end of the day. Neil, what stuck out to you? Yeah, what stuck out to me was uh, JT mentioned it: sixteen steals. I mean, they had twenty-four turnovers. I mean, anytime you can create twenty-four turnovers is impressive, but sixteen steals on the defensive end is astronomically a huge impact on this game. Looking down at the stat sheet, you're led by Landers Nolly, who had five steals. Victor Lockin had four steals. Rob Finnessy had a huge impact there in the first half. I believe it was like right around the 10-minute mark where he came in, had three steals right off rip of entering the game. It led to the Jeremiah Davenport dunk. Then Landers turned around, had to steal, led to the Victor Lockin dunk. Then Rob gets another one and throws back to a three out in transition, all off turnovers. And just like that, that's what sparked this thing open. So, I mean, the defensive aspect of this game is really what stood out to me. I mean, I feel like they just had a knack to be around the ball. They were really getting their hands on just about everything it seemed. Uh, UCF just wasn't protecting everything. I mean, they made it look astronomically easy to get their hands on one and pick some pockets. But overall, I mean, you look down at the stat sheet, 
They were led by Victor Locken, who went 20 and 8, who had 20 and 8 on the day. But you're looking down, and they've been needing David DeJulius has had some off nights recently. He's been more of the assist guy, let his teammates cook. But I mean, you're looking down at the stat sheet, you see a seven for 10 from the field, seven assists, 19 points. You hit that clutch three there at the end to go over a thousand points as a Bearcat. So overall, I mean, DeJulius had one of his best scoring games in the recent weeks. So a huge shout out to David DeJulius on that aspect. I mean, he hit that clutch shot when it needed to be there. I think it was tied 60 to 60 when he hit that three. If I'm wrong, you guys can correct me on that. But I mean, one, they were at one, 61, 60. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It was something like that, but he yeah, came down to that huge three and he continues to make these really clutch shots for this team and come through late in the minute, uh, late in the late game situation. So to have a player like David Julius lead this team and have a night like he did on Saturday or yeah, Saturday is very impressive. And fellas, listen, I think moving forward, as long as he plays like this, we are to refer to Vic as headband Vic. <laughs> headband Vic. Headband Vic. If he sure. plays like this, it's headband Vic. So we're we're gonna we're gonna yeah, for, sure. for the rest of the the podcast for sure. <laughs> so um, you know, I, I think the game went how I thought it would go in terms of, you know, just having to chip away at a win, and you know, we, we got up and I think people thought we were gonna blow them out, but and I think I mentioned this um on the preview podcast that I thought it was a game. That we just gonna that we're gonna have to chip away at. Yeah. Um, you know, UCF's not gonna give up. They're they're too well coached, and they and obviously they got some talent. Like, <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, they, they they got some guys that can go, so they're not gonna go away. But I tell you what, I think one big thing that was the difference, and I don't know if you guys felt this, man, the crowd. Ah, uh, the cr- crowd for sure, man. Not to steal your thunder, they. I mean, right. at the end when the after the Julius hits that three. Nolly fouls on the three-point shot. The kid has the kid has 17. I don't think he scored anymore, but he had 17 points. He was balling. Kelly was on fire in that second half. He mm-hmm. missed all three free throws, and that was purely on the crowd. Like because it was like he didn't break. Like it was yeah. just like it was like boom, 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 boom. You could tell he could shoot free throws. And it was just like the crowd just he lost a little touch. It was just it was weird, man. Not weird, but it was just amazing to see the crowd play that effect. I mean, Wes even talked about it in the presser. I mean, Julius talked about it. You know what I mean? It just the crowd was electric, man. They were that's what you want to see in Bearcat games. For anyone referencing to the uh, last podcast, JT finally found the fanometer as well. He found it. <laughs> yeah, I found it. <laughs> yep. Well, it I was nothing. It. Yeah, it was. It was to the to, I, the, to the broom. Like if I I, my uh, my watch was telling me it was so loud, like, if you're staying in that area too long, like, you, you're you going to make yourself go deaf. Wow. Like, my, yeah, my watch different. picked it up. My watch, my uh, Apple watch picked up the decimals, and it was like, you're at 90-something. If it's at, if you stay at this consistent pace, like, you're going to call yourself to go deaf. Yeah, I was <laughs> Essentially. the person next to me sitting there, he was from Sports Illustrated, I believe, and he was like, does it usually get this loud? And I just looked at him, and I was like, yeah, it can, it can get pretty rocking like that, but I told him, I was like, I haven't heard it this loud since potentially Xavier earlier in the season when they made that comeback because that was that was the loudest I think I've heard it since the Crosstown shootout, maybe even recent years. I, I would 100% agree with that, Neil. Um, I, I, it was it was the best energy in the gym this, thus far uh, next to the Xavier game. And, and that's the type of stuff that really helps and impacts these players. They feel it. Um, yeah. If they're talking about it in the presser, I felt it. 
And I'm like, I was confused because, you know, the, the time of the game, you know, I, I just didn't, I was like, why is everybody so hyped? <laughs> like, <laughs> and it's not like UCF was coming in as just like, you know, they're, they're good, but not a yeah. Houston Memphis. But the energy was just, I, I, I loved it. I loved it for our players. Um, I, I don't. Well, I don't know if they were giving away free T-shirts. I know it was a whiteout, but man, if we keep that going throughout the rest of the season, uh, we're, we're we're definitely in good hands. Um, won the glass, uh, forced what twenty four turnovers, twenty four turnovers a season high. Uh, we only had thirteen turnovers. Um, so. Wait a minute, did we wait a minute, we lost the glass. We lost yeah, we lost the glass. Yeah, we lost, yeah, the, we glass. lost, the, we lost glass. the glass. It was the steals. The steals made up for it. We actually lost yeah. the glass pretty decisively. Yet, um, yeah, by seven, so, thirty-six yeah. to twenty-nine. Yeah, I'm sorry, I don't have the I don't have the stats in front of me. No, but you good? Um, I, yeah, I remember yeah, yeah, talking we, about it. Yeah, we lost the glass. That's right. Because I now that I think about, it, I remember seeing the stats after the game, going, "Hey, we lost this. We lost the glass, but." you know, really on the steals and the turnovers, you know, crushed them. So, yeah, you know, that was good. Um, I got, I got two things I want to say, and then we'll, we'll, we'll jump into the preview of the two lane game. Um, 100% Vic is a pro. I just want to make sure that we've said it before. I'm going to say it again. I, I watched closely the UCF game. You know, we, we've been talking about Vic. But I really was watching a lot of nuances and just different things. He's going to be a pro. If he stays here, stays healthy, there, there's no question in my mind. I, yeah, no, I I'm the same way. Because I, I, I looked to – I think I was telling JT this. I was like, there was a stretch there in the beginning of the second half. I was like, Vic's out here just outplaying Taylor Hendricks right now. And Taylor Hendricks is a projected first-round draft pick. Don't let anyone forget that. But there was times Vic was getting by him like ease hmm. going through the paint. And, I mean, Vic, I mean – God looked down 20 of those points. He finished with 20, 18 of them came in the second half. And I mean, he was just making it easy work getting to the basket in the second half there. For sure. Now he was cooking. He definitely was cooking. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of scouts in the, in the building too. So like there was 18 scouts over 14 NBA teams from what we were told post game. It was a hell of a game to do what he did. I think Nolly showed well, you know, against, you know, with auto scouts there. And and David, I think David showed well. I mean, great. I think like the pace he played on on Saturday was like perfect. Like even when he wasn't scoring at first, like he just controlled. Like he was just like a maestro out there to me. And I was like, man, he's just playing great. That's why I thought the Bearcats were going to blow him out because they kept winning every four minute segment, especially in the second half. Like mm-hmm. they they would like no matter what they was if you know they went in at halftime up eleven. The first four minutes, they stayed 11. Next four minutes, they were up 12. Then, like, the next – between the next four minutes, they went up to, like, 15, and then they started letting them make the run. But I was like, man, they keeping this up. I thought they were going to still win by double digits, like, comfort, com- like, without have, needing a big shot and stuff like that because they just – every four minutes, they were either winning it or tying. And I'm like, that's what you want to do, playing four-minute increments. And they, that's what they were doing. They just had, like, the lull for that mm, – about six minutes, maybe roughly, you know what I mean? That kind of burnt them, but I just love how they play, man. Like as a whole, um, I want to see Micah. That's why I picked him as the guy 
um, that the key, because I feel like if he would have had his normal, what he's been doing that, that eight to 14 points a game, he's kind of in a little slump right now, but I think he, if he would have had that normal game, I think he had a few turnovers too. And that's, that's uncharacteristic. So he wasn't playing, he wasn't shooting it well. And he would turn the ball over a little bit. That's why I picked him. Because if he would have had his normal game, they would have blown him out. Yeah, I agree. You know what I mean? But, uh, yeah. But, I mean, it just shows – I just like how the team's picking up, man. I think Dan Skillen's had a heck of a game um, with his minutes. And they just look good. Fantasy, um, hell of an impact. His stats won't show up, but he made a hell of an impact on the game. Yeah. I tweeted out um, a little bit about the, the Julius. Um, and I, I, really, I really want Bearcat fans to – really soak in how good juice is on and off the court and what he's doing for this basketball team. And um, I was on channel 12 on Sunday talking about the Bearcats. And I, I, I said on the segment on channel 12, you know, in five years, you know, we're going to be looking at the Bearcats basketball program in a different way. Wes is going to have this thing rocking and rolling. We're going to be at an elite level kind of back to, back to where Bearcat basketball should be. And I think it all points back that that kind of that change, it's all going to point to the Julius. Yeah. Um, you know what I'm saying? I think we'll we'll look back and and be like, that that was the guy that got this going. Yeah, I feel you. I think so, too. It might be like kind of like the, the um, Vaughn, like Vaughn was. Boom. You know what I mean? Exactly. I didn't think about it like that, but I agree yeah, with Yeah, Deontay Vaughn. Like, you know how he was. He was the guy, like, he kind of took the stones – they like get start getting this competitive thing. Like when you look back, like man, it was on his back, kind of, kind of what transformed the, the program back to what it used to be, or got it back to that that level. And then other people start coming in, and they built off of that. But I feel like he's he's gonna be he has a chance to be that guy. Like I, I feel like he's did the work once it's all said and done. People like like you said, five years from now, I'll be like he was the guy that built it back up when it was crumbled. You know what I mean? For sure. Yeah. For sure. I love the Deontay Vaughn comparison because yeah. I always say Deontay is not given – I don't think he's given enough credit. No. Nope. He did. I mean, he put the program on his back. In the Big East. <laughs> In the, the real Big East, not this – like the real yeah. Big East. Like he was scoring 20 balls, giving 30 against hella pros like UConn. Like they had, they had some dogs like – I mean, come on, man. It was littered with crazy. I mean, it was just every game was crazy. He was the only guy. I mean, no disrespect to what the team was, but shit, everybody knew he was getting the ball. He still was giving out 25. Still, he cooked every every night. And the thing is, like, Deontay's not that big. No, like, man, he's not. He's not that much bigger than me. Like, we're nah. close to the same size. And, nah. you know, it's like, man, I, I every time I see him, and we talk quite. He and I talk quite a bit. I I always give him his flowers. And when yeah. he was at he was at the game a couple games ago. Oh, it was when we had the storm. That was Memphis, right? Okay. Yeah. 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 It was Memphis. Yeah. It was Memphis. Yeah. It was Memphis. Yep. Yeah, yeah. yep. So so he came. He texted me and he was like, "Hey, I'm coming into the game." He says, "I'm I'm kind of going through the storm, but I'll be there." And so he was there. And then you know after the game, he kind of dipped. I text him. I'm like, man, you 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 shouldn't just walk around and just sit in fifth third as a normal person. Like, bro, you you are mm-hmm. so important. To, you know, I'm serious. Like, yeah. you know, he should be looked upon as like, you know, Deontay Bonds in the building. And I know they bring they brought him out before and they, yeah, to, you know, what I'm saying, but but still, man, that that dude, 
for sure. So important to the program. And I think Juice is, is the same of the same elk. And when he comes back to Fifth Third Arena years from now, you know, I know he'll probably go play professionally at some level. Um, yeah, sure. but when he does come back, I, I, he's going to get some serious love, man. I think. Yeah, I think so too, man. You're right on that. One. I'm, I'm second in that. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm third in that one because he's, <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna get a lot of love when he comes back after his next step for sure. No question. And, and Neil, do you want to uh, while while we're while we're there, if you want to tell everyone what's happening Thursday? Yeah. So on Thursday, we will be releasing our podcast with David DeJulius himself. So it's a very good podcast. We are very excited to uh, have him on get this content out for you guys. I think a lot of people are going to really appreciate everything David had to say. It's a lot of great stories, a lot of stuff that not many people knew about. So it gives you a great perspective from a Bearcat uh, player during a season and whatnot. So yep, a huge shout out to David DeJulius, and we're looking forward to releasing that on Thursday. You're listening to the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast presented by Taxley. Now, the Bearcats take on Tulane today, 7 p.m. in New Orleans. We want to remind all Bearcat fans out there to visit Meals Pizzeria at 2634 Short Vine before and after all Bearcat football and basketball games. Get there early because the place is packed on Bearcat game days. Thanks to Kelly and Richard Meals for the support of the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast. Now let's jump into the Big O segment, sponsored by Donahue Accounting Services. Now in this segment, we cover players to watch in key matchups. JT, who from the Bearcats needs to play well and why? All right, I'm going to sound like a broken record because we're getting later in the season. But at the end of the day, um, they should expect Landers Nolly to have a big game on the road. The guy can score from anywhere on the court, and he's six, seven, six, eight, every bit of it, and he can create for others, man. I just think it makes it so much easier for everybody else. I think it makes it easier for David Julius to do his thing. I think it makes it easier for Vic to do his thing. I think a game where on the road against a tough two-lane team where they need to get this win. I expect Landers between 17 and 20 points. If he gets and he can go capable of doing more, we know that. But 17 and 20 points, no matter if it's by the foul line, hitting a few threes like he's known to do, mid-range, going to the hole, got to get it done. 17 to 20. And I expect him to get he only had three rebounds for me against UCF. So I expect him to get seven to ten rebounds on the road. Is is needed. Can't lose the the, the glass and Nolly is one of the key guys that helps the Bearcats win the glass when they've been winning it. So um, seven to 10 rebounds and I want two to four assists and he get a steal or two, but I'll, between 17 to 20, seven to 10 rebounds, two to four assists. And I think that helps and everybody else, the big three do their thing, but Landers now he has to come in and establish himself on both ends of the floor. Now, J- JT, if, if you're, Pete Rose and you're a betting man. Yeah. You think that Landers goes pro? Um, does he come back? Ah man. All right. And, and second part to that, first of all, I'm asking you what you think he'll do. Second part is, in your opinion, what should he do? Okay. So selfishly, okay, so all right. This is uh, Landers has not I've not talked to Landers about him going pro or anything like that. All right. What I think. Nobody say anything to me, so this is just my thoughts. I think he leaves. I selfishly want would like him to stay because going to the Big Twelve, he does 
players like he is playing against playing right now in the Big 12, I think he skyrockets his stock. So I think it would be an investment, but I don't know his situation and understandable. He's going to play pro basketball some form next year if he does decide to leave. So mm-hmm. I don't know. G League, I, I mean, he might have an outside. He has enough skill. But he does should have a chance in the NBA, keeping it real. But um, even if it's overseas, he's going to make good money next year playing basketball. I just wish I would, me selfishly covering team, I would hope he stays at Bearcat one more year. But if I was betting, I would say he's out of here. And, you know, here's the thing. I think, and listen, we, we don't know what players are going through. We don't oh, yeah. know what their family situation is and uh, things like that. However, if, if I'm a player and I was nowhere near the level of, of Landers, but if I'm at that level, I look at long-term money. And if you play one more year of college, right, and barring no injuries, I think that's yeah. always a concern. If you go yeah. back and play one more, you know, you deal with the injury. But, um, you know, if he comes back and plays one more year and, and plays at an even higher level, he increases his chance of longer-term money you know what i'm saying so yeah. i think he gives him gives himself a chance to play pro at the nba level and then whatever happens from there happens because because here's the deal if if you if you leave now and he doesn't get drafted he'll go over and play overseas right yeah. he'll make good money yeah now if he stays another year and gets drafted the nba and let's say he only plays a couple years it doesn't work out at that level and then he drops down, um, just just drops down a little bit and plays overseas. He makes more money overseas now because he's a more high-profile guy coming yeah. from the NBA, right? And I think there's longer-term money at that point. Yeah, so I'm looking at it from that standpoint. I'm 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 coming back, mm. right? Yeah, fee for sure, for sure. I think in in the Big Twelve, man, he comes there. Oh. I think the program, you know, he's going to be the man. Like it's no, it's not going to be on ifs ands or buts that Landry's is the man. Yep. And it's not, you know, so it's his team. It's his team, flat out. So I think that just has a chance to grow. And the way he's playing, the way he's played, like the last month, month and a half, he's showing like he can be more. He's more than just a shooter, more than a scorer. He can do everything on the court. I think another, especially in the Big Twelve, you do that. I just think it's. It skyrockets him, but I understand you never know people's situation if he does choose other options. Like I'm not going. I never. Um, I'm not a, a player player hater or a player person that knocks the players when it's they're not doing anything wrong. They're just trying to do what they feel is best for them. If that's the situation that they that they actually pick, you know. So that's always been me. Yeah. No. No question. Now, Neil yeah. Tulane is 15 and seven right now. Who do we need to watch out for from the Green Wave? Yeah, so Tulane is fifteen and seven on the season. They're eight and three within the American Conference play. But before we get into that, let's talk about how the number two seed for the conference is up in the air. There's three teams right there in the mix, including UC. So they got a big one at, at hands with Tulane. So if they can go down and get this season sweep, uh, they can really control their destiny and get that first round by within the AAC tournament. So. But last time these two teams faced was the first game of conference play back on December 29, where UC won 88-77. David DeJulius absolutely changed that game on the defensive end. He made Jalen Cook's life absolutely miserable 
on that defensive end. Jalen Cook was a first-team uh, unanimous preseason selection to the first-team All-AAC. So, I mean, we saw that how the Julius impacted the first matchup on the defensive end. I mean, Cook picked up like six minutes in the second half there, and they all were offensive fouls. Cook fouled out with, I believe, if we remember right, six minutes left. And, I mean, Tulane after that couldn't do anything because they are without their leading score. I mean, Jalen Cook now averages nearly 20 points a game. So, he's up there within uh, scoring within the AEC. He's shooting 44% from the field. He's the guy that makes this team go. But then you look around to it as well. You also have guys like Jalen Forbes who is averaging 18 points a game while shooting 53% from the field. And then you have Kevin Cross – who is their second or yeah, second leading scorer, power forward. He's a guy who kind of does a lot of things for this team as well. But those are the three guys you really have to keep an eye on. I mean, Kevin Cross changed the game uh, when Jalen Cook couldn't get going in the first matchup. Kevin Cross had, I believe he finished with 22, a majority of those coming in the second half there. So, I mean, overall, I mean, this is a two-lane team. I mean, they're coming off a nice, hard-fought, gritty win over Memphis over the weekend where it was a 90 to 89 victory. But if you look back on, for those who watched the Tulane game versus Memphis, Memphis dominated them on the boards. I mean, I'm pretty sure we won the battle of the glass versus Tulane the first time, but on Saturday or Sunday, when these two teams played Memphis beat them by 20 on the boards, 48 to 28. So they, they're not a team that really likes to attack the boards, but they have the shooters. So, I mean, if they, the Bearcats can get the rebounds, attack the boards, they're good, they're set. But overall, I mean, it starts with those three guys. I mean, Jalen Cook's going to come out for revenge, so I'm really excited to see how Jalen Cook comes out and how David DeJulius comes out on the defensive aspect because, I mean, let's be honest, Jalen Cook got clamped by DeJulius there in the second half of the last game. So I'm, I'm excited to see that matchup once again. The Big O segment is sponsored by Donahue Accounting Services. Uh, so, Neil, um, in, in this matchup, do you – and help remind Bearcat fans, um, in, in terms of what Ron Hunter's going to do, do you think anything different offensively and defensively to beat the Bearcats? Yeah, I think I think Ron Hunter's going to have a different game plan to come out. I mean, the last the first matchup was extremely close. It was a neck-and-neck neck battle up until Jalen Cook got in foul trouble. But they're probably watching back the film, know a little bit of how to attack how to get those separation things going, but it's, it's going to start. Kevin Cross is probably playing the best ball of his career right now for Tulane. So, I mean, Jalen Forbes is also uh, averaging almost 19 points a game. So, I mean, they're going to find, they have three predominant scorers between Jalen Cook, Jalen Forbes, and Kevin Cross. So they're going to find a way to get those guys going early, but on the defensive end, I would not be surprised to see Ron Hunter bring that two, three zone out early to try to create some momentum. I mean, in the first matchup, he didn't bring it out until like late in the first half. I think it was like the seven or eight minute mark, but I, I expect him to bring the zone out a little bit earlier this time because zone defenses have always continued to give the Bearcats some trouble as we saw throughout this season, but that's something to keep an eye on. Maybe Ron Hunter comes out with that two, three zone to start and it throws a different look for the Bearcats. The big O segment is sponsored by Donahue accounting services for friendly expert tax advice whenever you need it. Come to Donahue Accounting Services, a leading accounting firm in Cincinnati, Ohio. Our top-notch accountants strive to help you resolve all your financial and tax issues. Call Donahue Accounting Services today for a free consultation at 
513-528-3982 or visit DonahooAccountingService.com. You're listening to the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast presented by Taxley. The Kenyon segment is sponsored by Greg Hooden at Beachmont Toyota. Now, this is where we cover the keys to the game. JT, what do the Bearcats need to do to win? Protect the ball, man. Protect the ball, win the rebounding battle. But they didn't win it against UCF, and it worked out, but they stole the ball like no other. They were like thieves in the night uh, out there. Um, real sticky. And uh, But they got uh, on the road, man. I don't, I just don't see Tulane giving the ball up like that. Um, you're not going to have the home crowd. Tulane is notorious for having like a 1,000 people there. Too as well. No disrespect to Tulane. <laughs> but when you watch on TV, it's like just the family members and then maybe like 10 <laughs> students. <laughs> so it's hard to, it's going to be hard for <laughs> Tulane to generate in, energy. It's going to be hard for you see to in, generate in, energy. So I think they got to just do the basics, man. Cause I don't see them just turning them over a lot like that just because they're not at fifth third. Fifth third's energy when they're on one is next to none. Um, so that helps make a person throw it a little crazy because it's just rocking and they're not going to get that. <laughs> but Tulane isn't going to get that from, from their fan base. I don't think <laughs> so, the, so the Bearcats aren't going to turn it over neither. So that's good. <laughs> I don't think unless they're just playing stupid, but um, mm-hmm. I don't see that happening. So essentially rebound the ball, take good shots, man. I think Vic needs to Kevin cross, uh, cross is the big man, right? Right. Neil. Yeah, he's a forward. Okay, okay. Cross, if he's guarding Vic, they have to exploit that all day because Cross is like 6'9", like 220, and Vic is legit 7-footer um, or 6'11 and a half or something. But at the end of the day, I would feed – you got to milk um, Vic in that matchup all day. Like, I think that's going to allow everybody else to cook. And even if you're playing um, Landers at the mid post sometimes occasionally to kind of um, affect them, I just think – they got to take advantage of their size and uh, work them out. Hey, JT, um, I was thinking about this. So uh, I'm thinking back to the NKU game, um, and, and I thought, listen, and, and no no disrespect to NKU. Um, they have a really nice team, Dan Horde. Uh, uh, I said Dan Horde. Dan Horde. <laughs> Coach Horne does it. <laughs> Dan Horde. Dangerous Dan Horde. <laughs> <laughs> This morning at NKU does a uh, fantastic <laughs> job. No disrespect to them, but we were awful. Oh, man. NKU, right? <laughs> oh, oh, it was 11 awful. points in the second half. One of the worst performances I've seen in a long time. Not not connected as a team. Yeah. Um, j- j- just all over the place. So, so I, th- I think the, the progress this team has made and the strides they have taken have been tremendous. But one thing I want to point out, JT, and I want to get your thoughts on this, at times, man, they are so good defensively in the half court. Like, they're so connected. And they were so bad early on yeah. versus NKU. Um, thoughts on our half court defense at this point? Man, it's, like, way – I didn't I never, I didn't expect it. Like, that was, like, kind of one of the questions we all asked, you know, before the season started. Like, what did you expect? Because, you know, last year they had a lot of size where they were small on the wing. And I was, you know, first question, I was like, hey, you got all these people on the wing, but you don't have the, the size and the paint like you're used to, right? Mm-hmm. You know, how is that defense going to look? And he was like, you know, we're still trying to figure out we'll be more multiple out there, but in the paint, it's not going to be the same, which we all expected. But, and then at first you saw that, they had to get in shootouts like Arizona, 
you know, it, they weren't going to stop Arizona. <laughs> Not at all, right? Like, mm-hmm. he was like, we got to keep scoring this thing. And they did, you know, and they made, kept it kept it close. But they knew they weren't going to be able to get that stop. And that was kind of the the – the pro- not the problem, well, it is a problem, but the thing that you knew was going to be like the Achilles heel for the team. So then you you fast forward, they're struggling, lose a few games, X, Y, Z. But then now you look at them, it's like, man, they're getting stops when they need it. And they're, they're real scrappy. And they're like super connected. They're making people use a lot of clock. People aren't just coming down, getting straight line drives for the most part. Um, I think the Hendricks kid got a couple – but still, man, they make people work. Even against Houston on the road, they made mm. them work. Yeah, and that's something that I didn't expect. Like I thought Houston would win comfortably, you know, on the road. And that's no disrespect to the Bearcats. I just thought it wasn't going to happen. So I think I, it's a testament to them growing as a team, um, people knowing their role, people stepping up. Like Juice is taking on the challenge of guarding tough, tough guards, and he's taking it like a badge of honor, as I could tell. Um, Rob coming back is huge because even though he's not the greatest scorer, he's steady on offense. He's not going to turn the ball over, but he's going to, he's a pit bull on defense. And he's like kind of a breath of fresh air for them because it's, it helps their defense even more. And I think Kalu and Odie have done su- such a good job on defense as well um, that nobody, they're kind of like the unsung heroes, at least as of late. I know offense, they're a little iffy. I mean, I feel like Kalu's got some offensive talent but i think it's just it is what it is but on defense i think they've just been super connected man and the people have just bought, bought in it looks like to me and, and what's crazy about this jt is so so last year you know we look at that bearcat basketball team and it's like defensively i thought they were pretty good and then it's like how the hell are they gonna score that's how <laughs> i looked at last year right yeah, yeah. And this year i'm like oh we're gonna be able to score how the hell are we going to guard? Like, I yeah. think, right? I think yeah. you know, some of the early podcasts, I'm like, this team just isn't going to be defensively that great. Um, but I do stand corrected in a lot of ways, the improvements they've made in the half court and getting um, getting connected. And I think you know, I, as much as I would like to point to one person, I think it's been a collective effort, right? Yeah, for Multiple sure. People that have, you know, made this happen. So, Definitely, definitely a pleasant, uh, pleasant surprise at this point, especially heading into, you know, March. And we'll, we'll talk in our hot topics about, you know, what they need to do. <laughs> so and, and that's definitely going to be one of the, the things is playing solid half court defense throughout. Um, now, Neil, over to you. Uh, the Bearcats beat Tulane the first time. I don't I don't have it up, but I think it was 88 to 77. Uh, yep. The first game. Is that right? Yeah. Look, I'm glad I, glad I got that right. Yeah, um, I forgot the score. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm surprised I remembered it. Um, but, yeah, it, so what do the Bearcats need to do this time around? Obviously, we're at Tulane. There's only going to be 38 people in stands. <laughs> For real, man. It's going to be low. Friends. So what do the Bearcats need to do to win big, Neil? I think to win big, if they can have a defensive performance like they had in the first game, not just in the second half, but for all 40 minutes, if they can really lock in like how they played the second half of the first game this time around for all 40 minutes, I think they can easily get that job done. I mean, David DeJulius, I mean, he's going to be taking on a known scorer and uh, Jalen Cook. So, I mean, Jalen Cook's a phenomenal guard. I mean, but DeJulius clearly won the first round between these two guards. But 
I'm really excited to see how David DeJulius holds him this time. I mean, uh, we've seen him take the challenge of the guarding the best defensive player, but Jalen Cook's got to test that hands. I mean, David DeJulius has held two of the top guards in this conference to just 24 points in the last two games between these two teams. I mean, he held Cook to 15 in the first time, but made him foul out with almost six minutes left in this one. Then he's coming off a performance where he just held Marcus Sasser, arguably the best point guard in the conference, to nine points in the team's loss to Houston. So I think if they can win the battle of the glass and have that overall defensive sound performance where they're astronomically all intact on the defensive end, locked in, I think I think they can easily get this job done by 10 or more. I'd love to hear that. I hope that happens. Yeah. You know what? I, I don't think – have we had a road game where – a walk-on has gotten in because we've been up by a bunch. Have we had, had that this year yet? Did did the USF game? USF did, did Chase got in, I think. Did he? No. Yeah. yeah, USF Chase got in, I'm pretty sure. Chase and uh, CJ got in down there. Good. That That's what we need. That That's what we need. Hopefully we get that, you know, versus first two lane, get that, get that lead and get these walk-ons in. Yeah. The Kenyon segment is sponsored by Greg Hooden at Beachmont Toyota. So um, on my end, fellas, um, I, I am a little concerned about this game um, for several reasons. One, JT already alluded to. There's going to be 34 people in the stands. Uh, we've got to find our own energy. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know what I'm saying? And, and it's not like it's a weekend game. It's a Tuesday night <laughs> You know what I'm saying? So they're, they're might be 17. Why are you 17 in this thing? <laughs> we, <laughs> we got that 34 and a half, man. Uh, no, seriously, that's 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 real talk for you, man. So so yeah. I, I'm a little concerned. So you you've got to create your own energy, but I, I think the motivation should be there, Neil. You you brought this up. This is an important game um, in a lot of ways, seating and conference and all that stuff. So that's important. Um, Tulane is on a three-game winning streak, and I think two of those three have been on the road, one being at Memphis, correct? Correct. So, so y- you look at that, um, they're, they're, playing, they're playing good basketball, and, and they went on the road and won. So that worries me. Um, they've been scoring in the 90s two of the last three games. Um, that concerns me as well. So – but but like I said, I'm I'm pleased with how the half court defense has been. So hopefully we're able to to, to shut them down. But once again, I'm I'm going to say this. I'm I'm sorry to keep uh keep keep beating this over and over. But this is a game where I think juice needs to be juice. Um, on the road on the road, I think your veteran guys just need to lead. I think the energy is going to come from him. Um, you know, I we um listen. We say that a lot about how serious and important of a game this is, right? We, we say that all the time, but after this game, I think there are only six regular season games left. So this is vital. We, we cannot lose this basketball game. And Ron Hunter, he does a nice job with his teams, man. He, you know, you, you look at Wes, right? So Wes is just one of those players coaches, right? And Ron Hunter is kind of the same way. You know what I mean? I think players enjoy playing for him. He's a good dude, you know what I mean? And um, I, I enjoy watching Ron Hunter's team. So um, so I, I, I am a little concerned, but hopefully, uh, you know, Juice does what he does to get this team rolling and, and you know, great leadership skills 
come to the forefront. You're listening to the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast presented by Taxly. The Twyman segment is sponsored by 93 Ways to Mentor. Now, this is where we cover hot topics. So, fellas, we've been kind of building up to this, right? Not only this podcast, but other ones. And I think we all can agree at this point, the last, so including this game here, um, the total of the seven regular season games we have left, we got to win out. And we've got to make a deep run in the conference tournament to have a chance to be in the NCAA tournament, right? I think we all bingo, right? <laughs> so, JT, I'm going to start with you. So, with with that kind of layout, do you think it's possible? To quote the great Kevin Garnett, <laughs> anything, <laughs> anything is possible. Anything is possible. <laughs> no, but. Uh, <laughs> no, nah, it's it's possible because you think look, you don't you have no Houston unless in a tournament, right? And then the thing, the way they play Houston, Houston, I don't I don't think they feel like Houston's a boogeyman anymore. Where they at the beginning of the season, people won't say it, but they were the boogeyman. But the way they played them out in Houston, it's like now they're like, hey, even if we lose, we going down swinging on it on you. You know what I mean? You got to knock me out. We we not going to the scorecards. That's right. how they play. So that's that's good. You know what I mean? Because nobody is as talented as Houston in this conference. So that's no shade to anybody. But if you lose on the road to Houston at by six, at even though it was a loss, and you kind of like, man, you should have won that damn game. But at the same time, you have to have confidence where you think you could pull this off because nobody else is going to be as tough. If you play the right way, you should be able to beat everybody else in the conference, right? And then you should be able to hopefully be able to have another match, that third matchup against Houston, with and put all the chips on the table. Yep, Neil, your thoughts? Yeah, I think if they can win out and get to at least the semifinals of the AAC tournament, obviously the first four teams get that by. But I mean, that even anywhere from that two to four seed within the AAC is like up for grabs right now. It's anybody's game, and I mean. They can go on the road and get this big, a big victory over Tulane, who's currently in second. And then they still have to play Temple one more time. And Temple's high, and I believe they're tied for second within the conference. I believe they might have just fell on the spot after falling to Houston. But I think if they can go in there and they can win out, make a run in the, or in the AAC tournament, I think they could put themselves in good position to make it. I mean, then you look back at, some of their losses. I mean, that Ohio State loss doesn't look as bad now after the stretch that Ohio State has been going through. I mean, yeah, it was still a blowout, but you look down after everything Ohio State's been doing recently, that loss doesn't look too bad. I mean, the only loss that holds significant weight would be the NKU, the Temple. But I mean, then you look up to how they played versus Arizona this year. I mean, Arizona is only allowing opponents to score like 70 points a game. And they gave up 93 to UC. That's the most they have let any team give up this season is 93 points. So if UC can go out and put up 93 on what is now the number four team in the country, and that was way at the beginning of the season. So to think what they did versus Arizona, if they can play have a game like they did early in the season versus Arizona down the stretch, and they can continue to turn it up here in the final month, I mean, this team this team's very capable of making a run, and everybody knows that. But it all comes down to staying locked in on the defensive end, 
coming together as a unit, as a team, and just staying locked in. I mean, if they stay locked in, I think this team could make that run. As, but they have to win out, and they have to make a run in the AAC tournament. The Twyman segment is sponsored by 93 Ways to Mentor. So make sure I – let me my, my Roger Bacon math here. So we've got seven regular season games left. Um, we're on a two-game winning streak, correct? Correct. Yeah. If we win out, that would give us nine wins in a row. And yep. then in the conference tournament, if we make it to the championship game, how many wins would that be? Help me with that. I believe three. If they win the conference championship, I believe it will be three. So if we make it to the conference two. That's two. Two, yeah, two. If, they if, if they're two. if they're a top four, if they stay, I mean, if they went out, they'll be a top four seed. So then they'll only have two games to get to the championship. So. Got it. So but if they finish the second seed as well, they avoid Houston until the championship. So that would give us two or three, two or three. They gotta be two or three. They gotta be in a top. I feel like four would bang with Houston first. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So if we can finish the regular season strong, that puts us on a nine game winning streak and then potentially a two, three game winning streak in the tournament, um, 11 or 12 game winning streak. I, and I think the NCAA tournament kind of looks at it as, are you hot now? I hope so. Right. <laughs> but, you know, the NKU game was so long ago. It's like, man, you can't even judge this. I hope not. That's the you only know, thing, man. That's just a bad NKU one. NKU has had some ups and downs as well. So that, that game didn't oh, really OSU's play. been shaky too, man. That's doesn't help. Yeah, the, the Ohio State doesn't help. I, I they've agree. Been they've been shaky. Like, I've been wanting them to turn up just to make I mean, yeah. your Bearcats resume look a little bit better. But yeah, it, they've been shaky down. I mean, they got to they gotta finish hot, hot for that to look good. That, and that's why they got another loss that's kind of like the two, the Temple loss isn't as bad as we thought it uh, was at Tem first. Temple's I mean, banged with some good teams. They beat Houston early on, so – it's just that they should have beat them. They just didn't rebound the ball good against you. I mean, Temple, and that's what burnt them. And they let the guard get like 20 rebounds again. Yeah, I, I don't I mean, look they at banged, the they banged with Xavier too. So I don't I don't look at the yeah, Temple yeah. loss too too bad. Um yeah, time, maybe I kind of did, but after a while, I mean they they they've had some good wins. They've, they've played some good basketball, but For sure. you know, I, I, I just think that if we can if, if we can continue to win. Keep this going, get to about 11, whatever, 12-game winning streak. Um, people are going to have to take notice. Um, so let's uh, let, let, let's hope so um, because I've mentioned this before. I think we've all kind of mentioned this before, but, you know, the momentum of the program. You know, you look at Rayvon, Jizzle, mm -hmm. Day Day, right? Yep, all, yep. These, all these recruits coming in and um, hopefully a couple other things come in that just keep – the momentum of this university going, the NCAA tournament just adds to that. Yeah. You know, right? It just keeps, you know, and it's like, even if we win, going to the NCAA tournament, we win one game or whatever the case might be, yeah. you know, you're, you're getting a step closer. Um, and, and when you get to the NCAA, what I found when I played, when I played for UC and we went to the NCAA tournament, man, you get so much exposure. It's crazy. I mean, there are a lot of teams in the NCAA tournament, but I think they do a pretty good job of of highlighting. And obviously, the further along you go, and that's why, like, that's why so many. If you look at smaller schools, they really put a lot into. Like, I'll give you, I'll give you a great example, and I don't mean to call them a, a small school, but in in terms of their 
student population really only having one dominant sport that's Xavier. You know, yeah, basketball. Yeah, they call them a, I mean, but they are a small. No, 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 for sure. No, right? no, not even not even a slight. That's real. Like they don't they're not. Yeah. yeah. They're basketball driven. Yeah. Basketball driven. So yeah. they put a lot, a lot into basketball because they know if you make a good run in the Big East tournament, you get to the NCAA tournament, you make a run. It highlights your university. There's stories mm -hmm. about your university. And then yeah. people want to come to your school just enrollment based on. The popularity of the school because when i was at uc the enrollment was up i remember hearing the story how the enrollment was up because the basketball team was so popular people just wanted to be at uc because it was cool for sure it was the same way after the football season this past year after the college football playoffs i think they said enrollment jumped almost 11 percent. bingo yeah like good good sports bring people like flat out like no matter what donors yeah. all that um shoot when i when i went to um you see i was in overflow because of like how many it took me like a month to get my real housing because of like how much the, the um the enrollment went up yeah you know it, what i mean it's that's just how it go that's how it go you want a good team man basketball you see when you see basketball is right man it's, it's a different it's a different animal the world's a better place for sure <laughs> <laughs> and i will say this i tell you what it's gonna be so fun when UC basketball is back to that elite level, and UC football is at an elite level. It'd be nice to see both programs, like, right? Like, at the yeah, same time. it's possible though. I, I I could feel I feel like it's 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 get it's going to happen sooner than people expect. Mm -hmm. It's 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 doable for both too because with this move to the Big Twelve, everybody's going to be playing against <laughs> top tier comp man, and it's gonna be a beautiful thing it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a little tougher to watch because you know for certain times but it's gonna be a beautiful thing once everything gets rolling because you every game is gonna be a chance to show how good you are yep. <laughs> you know what i mean so that's gonna be a, a dope thing it's gonna, gonna help recruiting gonna, oh for sure right yeah it's totally sure. a recruiting aspect like you playing against all these teams i like, think about like texas and kansas on they, they might be off now but before we started the pod you know what I mean? Like that, there's two top 10 teams on a Monday. <laughs> like just and you look, balling. And you mentioned the Big 12 roster. I mean, in the latest AP poll that came out today, this afternoon, the Big 12 has six teams in the top 25. That's nearly one fourth of the top 25 teams come from the Big 12 conference. Yep. There you go. And, and if the Bearcats in, in basketball specifically, get to be one of the top consistently one of the top yeah. three teams in the big 12 and you know what else that helps it's like the more you win the more success you have especially when you're in a good conference like that you get these donors that want to come along and give you more money because they want to roll with the winners roll with the winner. everybody loves a winner man <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man for real like when you lose with people it's hard to find people when you're losing but you well, think, about, think about this Think about this. Do you really think that Paycor would have paid $160 million to the Bengals for the naming rights if the Bengals weren't doing what they're doing? No. <laughs> Give me with the funny. You want some of this, old man? No. No. <laughs> no. They might have they might have asked for 160 to <laughs> right. Exactly. Back, back in the river, riverfront days, they'd have been like, "Y'all gotta pay me to put my name." On. Yeah, man. Yeah, but 
but but the no. the product that the Bengals are putting out, people want to be around for sure. It Absolutely, wasn't like it wasn't like that five years ago. No, no, it wasn't. Yeah, no, it right? wasn't. You got fans talking crazy. You talking crazy, man. <laughs> you got to humble. Like I want the Bengals win. I'm having to humble some fans sometimes, though. But we don't get on that. But yeah. yeah, but it's but they did have hell of a product. You got. I mean, they drafting well, doing good things. You got a franchise quarterback. That's half the battle. Yep, yep. No, no, no question about that. Uh, not yeah. So we'll um, one thing we're gonna revisit. I think the the NCAA tournament talk here in a little bit um, as we get a little bit further towards the end of the uh, regular season schedule. Here, we'll we'll see. Yeah. What, hopefully, they're still winning. And that, that's hype because I think coming to that Memphis game is going to be we can sneak dig down to UCF, get a win, beat Temple, and then yeah, then the next game we're at at Memphis, I believe. Yeah. Yep, Memphis. They, they got some tough game. I mean, they do. And Memphis they got some is also Memphis is also beat up, but I know they're expecting Malcolm Dandridge to be back this year. So I mean, it kind of could be it could be a different Memphis team than what we saw just a couple weeks ago. Shit, they'll be ready for us. Yeah, they're gonna be ready regardless. They're gonna be ready. We better come in here with our lunch pail. Man, oh, <laughs> you know what? Don't don't sleep on sneaky ECU, man. Think about all the struggles we've had in the past uh, at ECU. Right? Yeah, ECU we gotta go to out their uh, starting point guard. He got hurt too. The one who turned it up on us. He got hurt not too long ago. Well, he hopefully he won't be back. But but man. you know we've had some disappointing. He said he was out for like a month. If I believe man. so, but he man. should be should be back at within like the next two three weeks. If I remember, we, right. we, I have I don't got the schedule in front of me. Do we play ECU at ECU or is at, it ECU. at ECU? Ah, shit, I, that's, that's it. <laughs> at ECU on a Wednesday. Oh man, that's that's set up nation. That's in in the game after that on Sundays at UCF. Yeah, and then the following weekend's Memphis. Yeah, that ECU game, man. It it sounds it's like one of those ones that sound good, but then <laughs> but it don't. You know what I mean? Because there's gonna be five people at that game. Man. And we we always man, we, we have always games. play. It don't matter. Like as long as they got five people that can suit up, that game's gonna be close. <laughs> <laughs> that is um, I I, like I don't care about no breakdown, I don't care about no Kimpom, I don't care about all that. They got five mofos that can suit up, that game's gonna be within five points. And then we're gonna have to make some shots and make free throws to win the game. Something crazy will happen, like somebody it just that, that game is a five-point game, as long as they got five people. If they got six, they playing with house money against us. I I I, I every time because it's like I know, I know. It's like five people, it's like five and a half people. You count the janitors as well, it's five people in there. <laughs> I can't wait to get out of this conference. <laughs> man, me either, bro. Like you understand, man. Like I will. I'm gonna be so happy. Like I'm gonna follow all the American stuff on all my sports, all all social media. I don't care. I might even start going through. I might get petty and start going through. And it's like, oh, you you AC delete delete. Now I might not do that. I ain't that bad. But all the main sites is gone. Yeah. But I don't want to see none of it. I don't care. I don't care no more. I'm. I'm acting bougie. <laughs> I'm acting bougie. <laughs> bad and bougie. Bad I mean, heck, bougie. we're mentioning the the fan atmosphere and whatnot. I wonder what Texas and uh, Kansas just brought in tonight, knowing it was probably on a Monday night at nine o'clock. 
they probably just went fifteen thousand like it was nothing. Oh yeah, for sure it sold out, baby. That's what that's that's Big Twelve that's Big basketball, 12, baby. Like we ain't we ain't gonna have no five people at no game. Yeah, that's <laughs> it could be a damn tornado. It might still be sold out. <laughs> right. That's what we want, though. I'm excited to be gone from the AAC. I'm fo I'm following all this stuff, man. We all are. We all are ready for the Big Twelve. <laughs> like flat out. Like I'm. I need to find some people that like from different schools to follow some media people so we can uh you know first shout get some insights. Ethan, shout out our boy Ethan Bach at West Virginia. Oh uh, yeah, my man Ethan. Yeah, he's he's the only one I know for sure right now. So I gotta get some more. I get some more uh friends. For those who don't know, about. Ethan is a Cincinnati native as well. He went to Muller High School. He's now at West Virginia. So yep. looking for some good West Virginia content. Make sure you follow Ethan Bach on Twitter. Yep. yep. The Twyman segment yep. is sponsored by 93 Ways to Mentor. 93 Ways to Mentor is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that specializes in empowering youth in the greater Cincinnati area through mentoring, therapy, education, and financial support. To support, visit the website 93waystomentor.com or contact Derek Adams at 513 310 1715. Now, fellas, this concludes another great podcast. Thanks to all of our sponsors, Taxley, Donahue Accounting Services, Greg Hood at Beachmont Toyota, and 93 Ways to Mentor. We want to remind all Bearcat fans out there to visit Meals Pizzeria at 2634 Short Vine before and after all Bearcat football and basketball games. Get there early because the place is packed on Bearcat game days. Thanks to Kelly and Richard Meals for the support of the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast. Just a quick reminder, I'll be at Mio's for a live podcast on February 22nd from 5 to 6 p.m. Now, this will be before the uh, Temple game at 7 p.m. Special guests, we're getting close to locking it up. Actually, I think we're going to do two special guests. Bearcat fans, you're really going to enjoy this. So the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast is presented by Taxi. Taxi offers the first apprenticeship program for careers in tax law and consulting. So for those who thought the CPA was the only way to a prestigious tax career, let Taxi show you the importance of becoming an enrolled agent. Visit Taxly.com to learn more. Now, we will be back with another new episode on February 9th at 10 a.m. with our interview with David DeJulius. Uh, fellas, JT, Neil, um, I'm excited for Bearcat Nation to hear this interview because I think the difference with what we do, and, and we, we did this with Wes Miller when we interviewed him earlier in the year, is we like to talk about things other than just what happens on the basketball court. We like to dive into the actual person. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about this. And even, even JT, you asked him a question that was basketball related, but I think it, it, it dove a little bit more into what makes him a great basketball player. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It was like, not more, I mean, more so like, like the time he takes off the court, how do you develop certain stuff besides, you know, you see what he does, just like what 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 goes into it. Like people don't understand that. Like these young men have are, are human beings that for one, and then for two, they have. I mean, they have a God given talent, but they have to work on it as well. Like it's like if I'm a drawer or a painter, I, I have to practice at my my craft. That's what yeah. they do. It's a craft. So it just you, you ask questions. We ask questions that you know pertain that they are human talk about what they do in life and stuff like that you know what i mean they are hoopers and we love them because the people love them because they're hoopers too but they are human so yep. um we try to touch that aspect on, on all the people we talk to so that's pretty dope i think everybody's gonna like it
Yes, sir. And we want to thank all the Bearcat fans out there for listening to another episode of the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast presented by Taxley. Go Bearcats. <laughs>